Shabbat Shalom, everybody. All right, so go ahead and turn to Malachi. We're going to sort of kind of cover our um, Haftor portion this week. I was reading it, and um, I don't know, it was just great. It really spoke to me, and hopefully it speaks to you. But we're going to, we're actually going to read, um, we're going to read through <coughs> most of the book here. And basically, I just want to comment on it as we go through. But what I'm hoping for us to see what what the book of Malachi is talking about and what also is is because it's relevant for what's going on today uh, in within the world of God's people, so to speak. I use that term very broadly because it, it pertains to Christianity, Judaism, and anything in between. Anybody who calls themselves by the name of the God of the Bible. Uh, which many people do, but as we're going to read, um, there's just so much distortment. And and I think this book is very much for today, for us, because all the books of the prophets are, are very timeless books. They were all to be used or uh, taught and spoken to every generation throughout all generations. And uh, that's why they were preserved for us in Scripture. And so um, we're going to go through this. And I find it so fascinating how he's speaking primarily to the priests and the leaders of the people of the day and how they were, it's so fascinating as we'll read, there's so many dynamics going on, how they weren't obeying God, they weren't representing God, they weren't upholding his word, teaching his word and keeping society held together because the word was supposed to come from their lips, and as we're going to read, they were supposed to be God's messengers on the earth. And when they didn't do their jobs and they distorted things, it just wrought destruction in the community and the, in the people. And God was angry at them. But then as he brings them to task about it, they basically ask God, what are you talking about? You know, we're doing our job. We're doing what we're supposed to. And he says, no, you've put evil for good and good for evil, and you've... Uh, you know, pillage the fatherless and the widow and the stranger and not tack up the Torah and you despise my ordinances and uh, you bring the offerings that you bring are sick and lame and you hold back the good for yourself and you have skewed the picture of everything that I uh, had put you in place to do. Because originally, God's plan uh, was to, his all his people were supposed to be a kingdom of priests and... Um, What's the other word? Priests. You're a kingdom of priests and... Kings. Kings. That's what it is. Kings and priests. Well, the people made a mess, and so he rose up the tribe of Levi and chose them to be the bearers of his name, essentially, and of his word, and to ones that kept the tabernacle and kept the temple because it was that physical... Whatever. Creation building on earth that was supposed to represent what went on in heaven, in God's throne, in his justice, and his rightness, and was supposed to be a picture of him. And so when that gets messed up and corrupted, it all falls apart, and, and even more so when the, those priests and those leaders are not speaking on behalf of his word accurately, and God has very little patience for that. And so we're going to read through this, and we're going to... Um, talk a little bit about it. Because the same thing's happening today with Christianity, Judaism, Messianic movement, I don't care you know, what group you want to pick on. Everybody is doing what's right in their own eyes. Everybody's adding to and taking away, all the while thinking that they're 
they're doing what's right. And I'm not saying that we're the only congregation that has it right. My point is the leaders of God especially have to humble themselves before God and His Word to speak forth on behalf of it, regardless of the consequences, good or bad. Too, too, too many congregations, you know, they need subscribers to their website to be able to, to, to stay afloat. They, they need donations coming in so that they can keep the, you know, the building going and their ministries and support their missionaries. And they, you know, they have loans on their buildings. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure riding on a lot of these pastors and people. And the cares of this world weigh you down. And it's very easy to stop trusting in God. And, um, you know, and so they, it just gets a corrupted mess. And then on the other side, you have, especially in Judaism, and, and, they, and they mystify everything, and they replace, and they say, oh, well, you know, the sacrificial system isn't anymore now. Now it's repentance, and it's good works, and it's good deeds. And so they just flip everything around and say, well, now it's just, you know, do a lot of good stuff, and then God will be happy with you. And we know how well that has worked in the past. So, all that to say, let's, uh, let's get started, we'll read this. Okay, chapter 1, verse 1 of Malachi. The burden of the word of Yehovah to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith Yehovah. Yet, see, yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith Yehovah? Yet I loved Jacob. And I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, we're impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith Yehovah of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the borders of wickedness, and the people against whom Yehovah hath indignation forever. How come was that? It's because Esau forsook his birthright. He forsook that which was intended to go to the firstborn to carry on and represent the family and represent the God of that family. He threw that off for a bowl of porridge. And it was prophesied that that would be happen. But because of that, uh, God hate, hated uh, Esau and chose Jacob. And he loved him. Five. <clears throat> Your eyes shall see and you shall say, Yehovah will be magnified from the border of Israel. Good. A son of honor honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Saith Yehovah of hosts unto you, O priest that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? So he's saying, you know, I, I'm your father, I'm your God, and in, in, in a normal situation, most sons honor their father and whoever is their leadership, but you don't, you don't love and honor me, and you despise my name, he says to the priest. And they say, where do we despise their name? They don't even realize that they're despising his name. And I would contend that the same thing is going on today in many of the churches where they drag God's word in his name and they put right for wrong and they say that things that are abominable and wicked are okay. Same thing on the other end in Judaism where the same thing happens. Okay, seven. You offer polluted bread on mine altar and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye see the table, the table of Yehovah is contemptible and ye offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person, saith Yehovah of hosts. Now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto you. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons? Saith Yehovah of hosts. Who is there among you 
that would shut the doors for naught. Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith Yehovah of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith Yehovah of hosts. So he says, because you have corrupted and polluted everything, and you bring, brought the sick and the lame and the uh, uh, things that you should never should have brought, because you profane my name in those ways, I will go to the heathen, and they will offer a pure offering of incense and, and um, unto him. And uh, which, you know, Yeshua used a lot of the same parallels, like the Good Samaritan. They did not like that parable when he talked to that to him. Uh, you know, the woman at the well, you know, all these situations where they thought that they were, um, you know, the, the, the leadership, Jewish leadership of the day, and even the leadership in Israel that Malachi is talking to of the day, they thought they basically had a shoe in because of their position, because of what of that they did. And so they could, you know, squeak by and put a lame one in, and it wouldn't really matter. But they were, again, corrupting the picture of God's redemption of his people and his providing a way to purify his people so that he can be in their midst and when you screw that picture up it just wreaks chaos and destruction so he says fine if you are gonna want to be my people i will be glorified among the nations who will want to be part of my people and so um mm -hmm. yeah i know i'm just reading my notes here and seeing where i'm at because i never tend to look at them all right so we're talking about his name. 12, but you have profaned it, in that you say, the table of Yehovah is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat is contemptible. So they just were despising what they were doing. That was, that was per, to picture uh, the purification of the sins of his people, they were saying is uh, abominable and polluted. <laughs> the same thing as said in a certain sects of Judaism, uh, is thought of in, even in Christianity that sacrifice is so horrible and it's abominable and why would you do that and uh, God never really wanted that and, uh, and so they trash it out of their ignorance. 13. You said also, Behold, what a weariness it is. And ye have snuffed at it, saith Yehovah of hosts. And ye have brought that which was torn and the lame and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this at your hand, saith Yehovah? But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrificed unto Yehovah a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith Yehovah of hosts. My name is dreadful among the heathen. So he will be feared. If not by his people, then the heathen who will come to him instead. And so he created a way and a method to come into him, which is laid out in his word, right? And so if you are supposed to bring the male, and you bring a corrupt for a sacrifice or an offering... It's an abomination unto God. And what that does is it is it short-circuits his word and how the picture of how he has chosen to be approached. And the same thing goes for Yeshua. And so, you know, they, they, they said, what weariness is it, it is to have to do all of those stipulations and those small, small things. You know, I think about the same thing today, you know, uh, those who, who, you know, profess to be followers of the Messiah, you know, they say, you know, what weariness it would be to actually live how he lived and to do what he did. And so they, 
they manipulate and they change and they leave out sections of the scripture and they pick and they uh, decide for themselves what they'll do because it's too much work to have to... I don't know that he really meant that. You know, and so we all, to some degree, self-interpret what we would like it to say and dissect it like a, his word, like a laboratory frog. But God despises that. And uh, chapter 2. So the priests are to keep the law and, the, and teach it, but they have caused many to stumble. No Messiah and no Torah is what ends up happening. Those are two things that get attacked all the time, just like Moses and the Torah. And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith Yehovah, I will even send a curse upon you, and will curse your blessings. <laughs> you know. Because even now, even in the land of Israel, they say the priestly blessing over the people, and it just makes me cringe to think, does he curse those blessings? You know, are, when you reject the, that which he has sent to save you and the, those people and to redeem you, and then you try to pull yourselves up your own bootstraps and do your own repentance and zadokah and find your own way in and over the wall into his kingdom? <clears throat> Yea, I have cursed them already because ye do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and one shall take you away with it. Same thing, you know. Christianity, we all do it. Just, I mean, I'm picking on these two, but, you know, we all do it. We, we make our own festivals. We, we augment and change and corrupt what God's word is instead of stick, sticking to it. And he despises that. For, and you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith Yehovah of hosts. My covenant was with him for life and peace. I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did not turn away from uh, and did turn many away from iniquity. See, that's what God's teachers and, and representatives are supposed to do are supposed to be. The law of truth is supposed to be in their midst. In their mouth, sorry. Iniquity is not to be found in their lips. We're to walk with them in peace and equity and turn many away from iniquity. Now, you hear somebody's pastor, well, you know, let's not, let's not call sin, sin. Let's not, you know, be divisive with the word, saying what the word of God says, you know. Let's not go there. Let, people need to figure out what's right for themselves. No, these are heretical things. Either the law of God is truth, and we're to keep it and to speak on behalf of it, or go find another job. Yeah. Amen. You know. Seven. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of Yehovah of hosts. You know, I didn't... That's what's the, the job of the teacher and the pastor and the preacher and the, you know, the leader and those who represent God is supposed to be. The priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth. They, the people, should seek the Torah at the mouth of the priest. For he is the messenger of Jehovah of hosts. But ye are departed, departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. 
Ye have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith Yehovah of hosts. So that's exactly what's happening today. People are being are are being caused to stumble at the law because the, the teachers despise it themselves, and they pick and they choose, or they allegorize it away, they turn it into something else, or they change the word ordering, or they whatever. It's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be simple. God's word is supposed to be so simple, because if you think it back in the wilderness, nobody had their own copy. It was read in its entirety every seven years, and so you should have been able to get the gist of it. You know, it doesn't need to be turned into some wildly, uh, you know, crazy thing that you need, you know, volume after volume to be able to figure out what it means. And it doesn't need to be simplified either down to seeker friendliness. You know, I got to think about this. When they went up to the temple, and this analogy, you know, like all, all analogies, they fall apart to some degree. But when you went up to, where was the word of God kept? It was at the temple, right? And so you had to go yourself there if you wanted to hear from the priest and you wanted to hear, hear it speak. Or you had to go to your local congregation within the synagogues in the land to hear from your rabbi, to hear the word of God spoken. They didn't dumb it down and reinterpret it and, and wrap it up in transformers to transform your life to make it seeker-friendly. The whole idea is the Word of God is supposed to change you. You don't change it to fit the people more. But that's what's happened in our culture nowadays. People see through that. Young people see through that. They see the fakeness of it. These phony, ah, nothing, mamsy, pamsy, pathetic, you know, horrible people that are supposed to be representing, uh, representing God's name and they just drag it through the mud with their wickedness and sin. Yeah, it's, it's, it's abominable. And they're leading the whole generation to hell along with them because they won't, because the law of God is not found at their, their, on their lips and they don't turn many away from iniquity. Nine, therefore I also made you contemptible and base before all people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. I mean, this is what's happened before, it's going to happen again. Have we not all one Father, verse 10? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah hath purveyed the holiness of Yehovah, which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange god. That's what we've done. We've created false gods for ourselves and married their offspring. And say, isn't this great? Let's make a tattoo of it. Twelve. Yehovah will cut off the man that does this. Now, I love this verse. He will cut off the man that does this. Who are these people? We tend to think they're like, you know, like Medusa from 101 Dalmatians, you know, with like crazy hair and, and skinny Cruella. and smoking. or Cruella. You know, skinny and smoking and they look all like wild or something. No. He will cut off the man that does this. The master, the scholar, out of the tabernacles of Jacob. That's where they are. 
They're within the tabernacles of Jacob, and they're the masters and the scholars. Those who, you know, are dressed nicely, and they have, you know, uh, glasses and white trim beards and, and bow ties, or, you know, a big, broad, black hat and a, and a you know, a night that we're in Zitzit, or whatever. And him that offereth an offering unto Yehovah of hosts. So they're doing everything that looks right. They walk the part, they talk the part, they speak all nice and smooth words that just flow in your ears just like NPR. All the while, they're just ravaging the people of God. Thirteen. This ye have done again, covering the altar of Yehovah with tears, with weeping and with crying, insomuch that he regardeth it not he regardeth not the offering any more, or receive it with good will at your hand. Hey, you say, How come? Wherefore? Because Yehovah hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast de dealt treacherously, yet she is thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one uh, make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit? And wherefore one? That he might seek a goodly seed, a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For Yehovah, the God of Israel, saith that he hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garments, and Yehovah of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit, that you deal not treacherously. You have worried, Yehovah, with your words. Yet ye say, where have we worried him? When ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of Yehovah. And he delighteth in them. Or, where is God of judgment? Oh, you know, that's a good God. He's got to love. You know, he's not going to judge. Don't worry about that. You know, you need to... <laughs> you know, it's just... Uh... It wearies Yahweh with those words. And it was apparently rampant within the priesthood that they were putting away their wives and getting a new model whenever they felt like it. God hated that. And that was going on um, in the first century with Yeshua, and he dealt with that then. I think it's going on now, you know. People find all kinds of reasons to separate and divorce their wives and not get over themselves and change themselves. Make excuses. And then they say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of Yehovah. And he delighteth in them. <laughs> it's so true, because if you... If you amend the word of God, you can make it say anything you want. So much so that you can flip it around so much that you can say, oh, God loves all this stuff. Yeah. Alright, chapter 3. We're getting there. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. What did Yohanan, John the Baptist, Yohanan the Immerser say? Okay, continuing on here. <clears throat> okay, uh, chapter 3. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall say, he shall come, saith Yehovah of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto Yehovah an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Yehuda and Jerusalem be pleasant 
unto Yehovah as in the days of old and as the former years. And I will come near to you in judgment, and I will be swift, wit, be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against false swears and against those who oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me, saith Yehovah of hosts. So that's all prophesied of what, what was going to happen, what Yeshua did do, and what he will do again when he returns. And, um, you know, he's going he's gonna to purge and cleanse things. Oh, I can't wait. Because... Like in verse 5, it says, I will come near to you in judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against false swearers, those who oppress the hireling in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right. And fear not me. See, that's the problem. They don't really fear God, those who do these things. They don't have any wisdom because of that. 6. For I am Yehovah, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers are you gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith Yehovah of hosts. But you say, wherein shall we return? No, I love that passage. I am Yehovah, I change not. It's pretty clear. <laughs> Should be pretty clear. And praise God he doesn't change. Otherwise, he'd just consume us in a moment. No, we, we, we like to think that God changes, but, it, but we always think that he changes according to how we would want him to change. And that, you know, again, you're conforming him to our own image, what we want him to be. But he doesn't change, praise God, because otherwise he'd just have to burn us up in a moment. For from the days of your fathers are you gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith Yahweh of But you say... Wherein shall we return? That's what most of the prominent groups would think. You know, turn back to what? Torah's been done away with. Turn back to what, Messiah? He never came. You know. <clears throat> They're gone away from my ordinances. The face value of the simpleness of Scripture. Keep it simple, stupid. Eight. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. So they did not, uh, the, because it's this breakdown, and it goes both ways. When the priests and Levites do not speech, speak and teach God's word, the people fall into decay, then the people don't do what they're supposed to, thus they don't tithe anymore, thus the priesthood doesn't, can't do its job. So it's a circular thing. In tithes and offerings, nine. Ye are cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. See, it's a national thing. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now, wherein Yehovah of, uh, saith Yehovah of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall be not be room enough to receive it. So he's saying, test me, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and ye shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith Yehovah of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith Yehovah of hosts. Yeah, so he's saying, if you, if you obey, if you'll do what I say, I'll open the windows of heaven, the storehouses, and it'll be too much that you can't even take it in. 
and the, and, the, and the vines won't drop the fruit before it's supposed to. So it has this attachment to uh, our obedience and our keeping God's word and doing what we're supposed to. It has an attachment to the physical things of the world and how agriculture works, the weather, you know. So if there is quote-unquote climate change, it's because we're simple. It's because we're not obeying God. It has nothing to do with other stuff. Uh, 12. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith Yahweh of hosts. We're not there yet. <laughs> Your words have been stout against me, saith Yahweh. Yet you say, What have we spoken so much against thee? You have said, It's vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we kept this ordinance, and that we have walked mournfully before Yahweh of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Yeah, so everything's screwed up and all backwards. And they say it's vain to serve God. What profit is it that we've kept his ordinances? 16. They that feared Yehovah spake often to, uh, to another, and Yehovah hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared Yehovah and that thought upon his name. So that's what God's people are supposed to be like. Then they that feared Yehovah spake often one to another, and Yehovah hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared Yehovah and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith Yehovah of hosts. In the day that I make up my jewels, I will spare them, as a man spares his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between righteousness and and wicked, or between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth not. So that's the, the characterization of those that fear and obey God. That speak often to one another of Yehovah. And God hears it. I find that so interesting. He hears that and he writes it in a book for remembrance. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's that idea that we are to, back in um, 7 of verse chapter 2, where the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth for he is the messenger of Jehovah of hosts. You know, that idea of maintaining and preserving God's word and speaking on behalf of it. And uh, turning many away from iniquity. That was the other one, right? Yeah. Did turn many away from it law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips and he walked with me in peace and equity and did not and did turn many away from iniquity I love that mm. for behold the day cometh uh, we're in chapter 4 that shall burn as an oven and all the proud yea all that do wickedly shall be stubble and the day that cometh shall burn them up saith Jehovah of hosts and it shall leave them neither root nor branch but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing as his wings. And he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And he shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith Yahweh of hosts. And then the final admonition he gives. I find it's fascinating, right before the quote-unquote New Testament begins. These, these last three verses. It says, Remember ye the Torah, the, the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Not interesting. I, you know, I find that interesting that he delineates that. For all Israel. With the statutes and the judgments. 
Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before this great this, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Jehovah. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So that idea of turning the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, the, the fathers are um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the heart, their heart, which was to serve and obey God, like God said about Abraham, I've known him that he teaches his children and he keeps my word and he teaches it. <laughs> that heart is what he will turn and he will send Elijah. Elijah, the idea of Elijah the prophet was... Uh, uh, what he did when he was a prophet was he was one of the lone prophets that was speaking on behalf of God, representing and upholding his word in the Torah and uh, speaking out against idolatry. You know, the corruption of the word of God, the corruption of the priesthood at the time and the temple was a mess and um, God was working through him. And it was the same thing when Yeshua came and, and John the Baptist who... Uh, Yeshua said, was Elijah, if you can receive it. He was separated out from the priesthood and the, and the, <clears throat> and the temple, even though he was a, a priest. And he spoke and said, you know, repent, turn back, turn away from your wickedness, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, turn back to the Torah, keep his ways and his word. Because you've corrupted all these things. And these people, and that's why they knew, that's why they, they listened unto him and he drew crowds. Because they knew the prophets and the books of the prophets. And what it all talked about with, you know, what it says about the leadership and how they were supposed to turn back unto him. And that's why he called the Pharisees when they came out and described brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the judgment to come? <laughs> Even now the axe is laid under the tree. Anyway, so we're supposed to be a people who represent God, you know, his word and his truth, and we maintain it, and they can seek truth out of our lips, and uh, not turn from the right or the left, and represent him, you know, because test me whether I will open the doors of heaven and rain out blessings on you, if you will do what I say, there is promise in that. It's not without consequences. We're in the exile. Things aren't perfect and they're not going to be perfect. But he still says, if you'll turn unto me, I will turn unto you. So let's do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and these books of the prophets that you've given for all time. Help us just to uh, carry your word forth into the world and to speak on behalf of it. That there be not iniquity found in our lips, that knowledge should be found in our mouth, and that we will uh, not lead people astray, but lead them unto you in the truth of your word, and that they will know and fear because of what they see and hear, and will repent and turn back unto you, God. And uh, so I just pray that you work mightily. I thank you for the Shabbat. Give us a uh, restful Shabbat and a good week. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Amen.